listening to the Cricket Podcast. I think it was a disgraceful performance and I think it should never be permitted to happen again. That is very good. Hello everyone and welcome to the Cricket Podcast where we have a classic two-part show this week. In part one, We'll be looking forward to the third test between India and England. The series is well set up at one all, and I reckon England will fancy their chances under the lights. Then, in part two, we'll be looking back at the IPL auction and passing judgment on who we think the winners and losers were. I'm Jack Hope, and as ever, I'm joined by Max Rowe Brown. How are you doing this Sunday, Max? Hi, Jack. Yeah, very good. Thank you. Good to hear. And Ross Legg, how are you doing, Ross? Marvellous, thank you, mate. Marvellous. In addition to the three of us, we're joined by a special guest for this episode. It's Knackle Pandey. Uh, many of our listeners will know him from Gorilla Cricket. How are you doing, Knackle? Hey, Jack, Max, Ross. Delighted to be here. Good. Um, well, well, we'll kick off with our traditional pointless first question of the week. Um, this, this, this week, India will be taking on England in a new stadium. Uh, which is which has been knocked down and rebuilt over the last sort of two or three years. Uh, it's now the biggest cricket stadium in the world. So, so my question to you fellas is: is which cricket stadium would you knock down and rebuild, uh, Ross? Uh, Old Trafford, without a shadow of a doubt. <laughs> but uh, I went, went there for um, uh, England versus Australia in the Test match uh, when they were here in 2019, and the Foster's party stand there. There's nothing party about it. Is the worst way to watch cricket I've ever experienced. Um, if I had the opportunity, I would take that down and uh, do it all over again. I think that's reasonable. Uh, I, I remember you complaining a lot at the time about <laughs> how cold you were in the Foster's party stand. Um, Max, which stadium would you knock down and rebuild? I think this might be slightly controversial. I would like to uh, knock down and rebuild Lords because if you sit in the bottom half of Lords, the slope of the upper tier is too steep and you can't see the pitch. Have they not? The ball goes up in the, if, if the ball goes up in the air off the bat, you can't see it. Max, have they not literally done that? I, 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 I mean, I, we, none of us have been to Lords, obviously, since 2019. But I'm pretty sure that the, the issue you're complaining about, they have addressed. So, Well, there you go. <laughs> see, I'm behind the times, but ahead of the times. Um, Knackle, same question to you. Which stadium would you knock down and uh, redo? I just, uh, Russ must have caught the party stand on a bad day because I was there for a couple of World Cup games and in the sunshine, it was absolutely glorious up in that massive stand. Uh, I was there for the England-Afghanistan World Cup game where Owen Morgan went ballistic. It was a stunning, stunning place. Um, mine is actually a stadium that India are going to be playing England at on this tour. It's Pune. Um, it, it's a nice enough stadium, but a sta- there is no excuse for building a stadium in India in any time in the last 10 years that most of it doesn't have a roof. Pune is... My grandparents live in Pune. Um, not that the stadium's anywhere near the ground, but that's an, uh, the city rather. But that's another that's another point. It's hot. It's consistently dry. It's consistently sort of mid to high twenties, maybe thirties, uh, and about fifty percent or more of the stadium doesn't have a roof. It either build a roof or knock it down and start again. Uh, it's absolutely insane, um, and it's no wonder no one goes. That's um, yeah. I mean, it doesn't sound like the world world's most well thought through. Uh, plan that one. Um, I, I don't really have an answer. So I, I quite like that all cricket stadiums are different. So maybe what I would do is is help cricket South Africa out a little bit because isn't Newlands actually falling down um, as a stadium? 
Uh, so I would use my knock, knock a stadium down and rebuild uh, to, to, to help out Cricket South Africa and, and do some good in the world um, rather than just look out for myself like you three. Um, <laughs> I, I will have, you know, I'm looking out for the Maharashtran cricket fan here. <laughs> People actually being able to go and have somewhere where they can be somewhat undercover and actually have a comfortable spectator experience. Uh, yeah. People complain about Indian fans not going to stadiums in India. This is a, this is a myth, but no one goes to Pune for that exact reason. Oh, you, I think you're you're really uh, taking away business from the man who sells sun hats uh, outside the Pune Stadium. <laughs> um, they're in, they're in cahoots. It's all planned. Ross, would you like to give us or our listeners rather, our listeners and viewers, um, mm-hmm. some tips? Yep, you should uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the Cricket Pod, and click subscribe to our YouTube channel, um, as well as leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Cool. Um, Shall we take a quick break and then come back with our preview of India v England, the third test? Yes, so we are off to Ahmedabad and the recently redeveloped Sardar Patel Stadium, a a monolithic cricketing arena that now houses over 100,000 fans for the uh, the third test. It's the it's the world's biggest stadium and will be hosting its first test match having been rebuilt from the old venue in the 1980s. Unsurprisingly, the available tickets have all sold out and very quickly, so expect a, a cauldron of noise even from uh, a 50% uh, full stadium. And uh, with India and England heading into this uh, at one all and uh, a potential slot at the World Test Championship final at stake, it's uh, a fitting occasion for the stadium's debut, I think. The, um, but the first test, it starts a year to the day after the first event uh, that was held at the new stadium. Do you know what that was? Any of you? Mm, yes, a Shakira concert. <laughs> no, <laughs> that would have been far superior. I, I do know what this was. Um, it was called Namaste Trump. <laughs> and it's when and it's when the then US president came on a goodwill thank you for uh thank you Narendra Modi for getting all of the Indian diaspora fans to phone bank on my behalf tour and he came and inaugurated the stadium that is absolutely correct <laughs> that, so was that Suchin Tendulkar or Tendulkar that was in the states that was in the states uh, that was all on right. the return that was on the return visit <laughs> After he'd been to India and done the uh, done the research, <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, so hopefully we can erase some memories of what used to happen at the stadium. Uh, what do we? What do you think? Are we are we excited to see the the rebuilt stadium get some get some action? And uh, it's a proud moment for England to be uh, the first team to come and play there. I think it's it's pretty good, isn't it? Um... I I like stadiums. Like one of the things I like uh, as a sports fan is going to new stadiums, looking at them, um, and, and and kind of being at this cathedral of of, of sport. And I think to, yeah, to inaugurate that uh, from a test match perspective it is quite a cool thing for uh, England to be able to do. No, yeah, yeah I'd say so. I uh, I'm so. Do you think it's going to have any impact on on either side? The fact that there is a, a new stadium. Do you think there'll be uh, extra pressure on on India to put on a, a show in front of uh, fans at, at a new stadium, or is it is it uh, is it is it not going to make a difference? Well, all, all I know, Max, is that Zach Crawley is going to be very careful when he's wearing his spikes around because there's uh, there's definitely <laughs> right. going to be some very polished surfaces. Yeah, did, they, did they build it up out of marble? <laughs> Uh, right, Max. So, besides the stadium being new and um, it maybe being shiny, 
Uh, is there anything that anyone knows about how the pitch will play or any of the surface or you know, any of the anything that we can tell our listeners about the actual cricket match? Yeah, well, that's a good question. Um, I mean, obviously, it's uh, it's it's a new it's a new stadium. It was a, we, no one's played there before, so it'll be interesting to see what will happen. And uh, all like all I've managed to discern so far is that three, two or three days ago, the pitch was lush and green. But bearing in mind the test doesn't start until uh, Wednesday the twenty fourth, there is plenty of time for that to change under the uh, the hot Indian sun. Well, it's, a, it's a massive um, unknown on many levels. The the old stadium in Ahmedabad, the last time that all the the previous version of this stadium, the last time that hosted a test match was when England toured in 2012. So it's a, it's a, it's a series of massive unknowns as far as the pitch is concerned. There's, a, I think, an 11-wicket block uh, uh, at the new stadium in Ahmedabad. Obviously, only three or four of those will be in, be in contention. So it's a, in, a, in a way, it's good because you, we can't have too much more tedious uh, pitch speculation or... <laughs> Although in another way, it does just open up even more speculation because actually no one knows. Um, but I think if anyone tells you they know how the pitch is going to play, they are they are lying somewhat. Um, the other thing about this this stadium, and, and we mentioned it, we mentioned the political dimension. Uh, so this is Narendra Modi, the Indian Prime Minister's hometown. Uh, for those of you, the Cricket Pod listeners, who aren't terribly familiar with Indian politics, Narendra Modi is very much of the right wing. He is uh, someone who pretty much self-defines as a Hindu nationalist. Um, so he, he very much plays to that constituency and has done throughout his political career um, when he was chief minister of Gujarat. Um, in fact, I think he was he was even banned from traveling abroad because of his, his role uh, when he was chief minister of Gujarat in uh, in some deadly, um, they're called riots, they were called riots slash protesting uh, in, in 2002 in which a lot of Muslims died and, uh, and he did little to stop them um or, or certainly was deemed culpable for for part of his for his part in it um it was he it was his decision to the original plan was to redevelop the stadium and it was partly his decision based on the fact that uh he realized that the capacity of the mcg was just shy of a hundred thousand and he made the decision to uh right we can go one better than that so don't just redevelop it knock it down start again and he took a very personal interest in it during his time in charge of Gujarat and then in charge of India. Uh, Amit Shah, who is now the Home Minister of India, equivalent to the Home Secretary, uh, India's Preeti Patel, uh, when he was also Home Minister of Gujarat, and he took a he took a very sort of o- direct overseeing role in it. So it's there's a strong political dimension in the biggest cricket stadium in the world being in the hometown of Narendra Modi. Um, so much so I've taken to calling it the Modi Dome. Uh, so it was it is it is it would have been somewhat embarrassing for the for the current administration to have nobody there for its first for its first game as it is half capacity still fifty five thousand. it's still nearly double the capacity of any ground in england for example it does look magnificent um i do like the fact that they've colored the seats and they've got a kind of design in the seats it doesn't look like a uh like a sort of concrete bowl uh, in that way it looks like it's yeah. it looks like it has some character and some color to it um, and it seems to be enclosed as well, not not uh, not several independent stands with giant gaps in them like we've been uh, used yeah, to. Yeah, I mean that 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 was the old way to build cricket stadia. Now it now it's one one big thing, and it lo- it it looks fantastic. The what we've seen of the facilities, the gyms and so forth looks looks fantastic. I'm sure it's got a hotel on site. I'm sure so it, it's very biosecure. Um, it looks a stunning ground, but it it's also it is well worth bearing in mind the the political dimension. Um, I'm sort of excited to 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 see a. A, a new pitch and to try and move the conversation on from the from the pitches to some extent in that it's a um it's a bit of an unknown for all of us 
course, there is uh, there is always the chance that it will turn out to be uh, <laughs> a raging turner from fairly early on, and we'll be back to <laughs> back to where we were before. But I suppose on this occasion, we'll be able to point to the fact that actually this is a brand new pitch. So uh, let's uh, let's call off on on that chat <laughs> and let's not get too hung up on the pitch like we've done uh, in the past. And Twitter seems to be at the moment. I mean, there, there um, will be a desire to keep some grass on the wicket to protect the pink ball. Um, yes. The other thing about the the, the pink ball, I know um, our technical director on Gorilla Cricket, Nigel the Bear Walker, who's been on your show, has talked a few times on our show about the the dew being a factor in the day night game. Um, I do I do know that it's got a a new state of the art drainage system um, at at uh, at the new ground in the Sardar Patel in in Ahmedabad. Um, so I think partly for that reason, um, it's not a particularly wet place in terms of its in terms of rainfall, but uh, certainly the uh, the dew hopefully will not be so much of a factor. I'm sure they'll be out roping it as the as you see in IPL games uh, later in the day. So that will be, um, well, it'll certainly be interesting to keep an eye on. Um, I would expect I would expect a little bit of uh, of grass on the wicket, perhaps just to protect that pink ball a little bit, um, because the the issue has been with the with the pink ball of it going soft um, uh, late later in the day or later in the innings. Um, hmm. But um, but we're in a bit of an we're in kind of exciting unknown territory. I wouldn't I certainly wouldn't expecting it to be a to be um, a massively overly spin friendly uh track i mean we're, we're hoping for a you know a decent uh a decent cricket wicket aren't we because i mean the the two pace attacks on both sides is um potentially at full strength or close to full strength um is properly exciting Max, yeah absolutely sorry yes. I, I, I was gonna say i i heard through the, the grapevine that you've been looking into uh into day night cricket in, in in the test match arena so far what have you found for us on that Yes, that's that. That is absolutely right, Jack. I don't know where you could possibly have heard <laughs> heard that news. Um, yeah, well, um, um, Nackle mentioned the the pink ball, and uh, quite rightly, because obviously there's a discussion about what whether the pink ball behaves differently to the red ball and and what happens to it in um, in the Test match arena. And obviously, I mean, we're we're a little light on on data because there haven't been many day night tests in India. Obviously, it's been well uh, documented that the uh, the day night test. Um, concept met with some resistance at first in Indian cricket, but has since been uh, embraced. And India played Bangladesh. Was it November 2019, the the first one? So um, uh, we, yeah, we've only had one real example. So it's difficult to see how it'll be in India. But um, sort of looked at what's happened in day night cricket in uh, in other other games so far. And um, um, well, the eyeball test suggests, doesn't it, that uh, it's harder for batting, and uh, and that the people think the pink ball does more so what's quite interesting is it seems that actually i mean the the data backs up the fact that it is a bit harder to bat so overall batting averages in day night tests are lower than they are in um, uh, red ball daytime tests and particularly in the nighttime session um, the the highest averages of batsmen tend to be in the second session but interestingly the first session is uh, similar sim- has a similar uh, average to to the night sessions in in terms of batting averages Com- and uh, and the, you know, the difference is quite stark actually compared to uh, to red ball cricket and um, 
the reason why seems to be sort of uh, the ball itself. So it's not necessarily that the pink ball does more. If you actually look at the the pink ball and how much it swings over the course of an innings, it's about the same as a red ball, but the the profile of how it behaves is is very different. So for the first thirty overs, the pink ball will move in the air a lot more than the red ball, and then it basically switches over. So you'll get a bit more reverse and, and late movement from from the red ball, and the pink ball starts to do not very much um so that that probably links to what what Naka was saying about the pink ball going going a bit soft a bit a bit early on so that's that's going to be interesting and the uh, the other thing about the pink ball is that they it, the suggestion is that it swings more under the lights which is kind of true um the new pink ball does more under lights apparently it seems from uh, from the data but the uh, the old new ball less so so i i think uh it's going to be interesting in terms of how this affects the game of just who does what when. I mean, the the toss could be important, but whether um, you end up with uh, you know either you know Bumrah and Bumrah and and, and uh, Sharma and Siraj or Broad and Anderson with a new pink ball in in an evening session, there could be it could be a, a session or two that just swings the game one way or the other. So it sounds to me, Max, basically from what you've said and from what I've read, that. A lot of the the differences that we'll see between this test and 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 other tests, the traditional Red Bull daytime test, um, a lot of those differences will probably fall slightly in England's favour. In that, if there are more ways for bowlers to take wickets through out the course of of the innings, uh, or, or or there are more bowlers that are capable of taking wickets, is maybe a better way of putting it. Uh, if the seamers are still in the game. Um, hmm. then that is beneficial for England. And, and also on the, on the point of softness, I think where we've really seen England's batters struggle in the first test, um, we didn't really see them struggle in the second, no, sorry, in the second test, we didn't really see them struggle in the first test, but where we also saw them struggle in Sri Lanka was when the ball was harder and it was bouncing hmm. out of the surface a little bit more. So if we see the ball yeah. going softer sooner, that does mean that uh, Ashwin or Akshar Patel are probably going to be slightly less threatening which is which is definitely a plus for England because at the moment or, or based on based on what we saw in the second test it doesn't really look like England have got much of a game plan <laughs> against either of those two <laughs> uh, huge error margins on all of all of what I'm about to say there's only as Max said there's only been one day night test in India and it ended in two and a bit days so but only one of India's only one of the wickets that India took fell to spin uh in the, in the whole game there we um, go. We're in business, lads. Um. <laughs> um, yeah, of course. What we need to remember is that. I mean, we'll come on to selection shortly, but uh, what we need to remember is that India's pace attack is quite good. Yes, Umesh Yadav, Vishant Sharma, Mohammed Shami, uh, who isn't available for this game, did very well in that um, uh, in that match. Um, and actually, Umesh Yadav, who's fit again for this Test match, has um, over the last few years. When overall in India, in the last I think three or four years, the seamers actually take their wickets at a better average and economy rate than the spinners. Uh, the Indian uh, seamers, um, overseas seamers, have really struggled. It's quite interesting how how much uh, how much of a difference there is. I think the, the average is almost double for overseas seamers against against Indian seamers in India over the last four years. Um, Umesh Yadav has the best record of any of them, uh, of any of um, uh, Ishant Sharma and uh, Mohammad Shami and um, uh, Bumrah in his in his two te- in his one Test match uh, so far, and uh, I think Saini and Chadul Thakur as well uh briefly fall into that category so um I mean, we'll come on to selection in a bit but you know it, I, I think both teams seam attacks will be licking their lips at the possibility of, of being in the game uh throughout we, we haven't even mentioned Joffrey Archer yet um as, <laughs> as a potential option and then Ben Stokes with the 
uh, with the, with his ability to swing the ball. And we saw that a bit in the first test, didn't we, with that, his ability to reverse swing the ball. Um, mm. So, yeah, I mean, he's a mouth-watering prospect. It it kind of brings it more like a, like a test in England where the seamers are in the game pretty much at every stage of the uh, of the test match, and it makes it uh, really exciting uh, viewing. I saw that Joffre Archer had tweeted that I, I, it was something to the effect of I'm licking my lips at the prospect of playing on this green seamer. So I, I no <laughs> doubt he'll be devastated when it's uh, a barren wasteland in the middle <laughs> come uh, was, was it Wednesday yeah. morning. Um, folks, folks will be standing up to Archer and Broad and Anderson. <laughs> yeah. um, Max, uh, anything else on the pitch or stadium or, or are we ready to go on to some team news? Uh, no, I think, I think that brings us nicely on to what we can expect to see from, uh, from both teams. So this is what I like about doing a cricket podcast. We've spent the first, what, 15, 20 minutes of this show talking about the pitch, the wet, the weather and the ball. How, how, uh, how enthralling for all of our listeners. The ball's a different colour and that means it does different things. Only, only cricket. Yeah, so, so away from the really sexy stuff, let's go on to selection. So uh, let's start with um, the team news from England first. Um, the rotation merry-go-round uh, was in full swing ahead of the third test. And unfortunately, some children have got very upset at Moeen Ali for not staying on for another whirl. Um, Max, why were their little tantrums made to look even more silly? Uh, well, because England then had to go and apologise, didn't they? Because uh, the truth came out as to why Moeen Ali had gone home and the fact that it was all planned all along. And Joe Root just got his words a bit mixed up, didn't he? And uh, and in true uh, English cricket journalist and fan fashion everyone piled in yeah it is uh, it is quite remarkable how um, kind of like what 55 year old men can uh, seemingly get their knickers in a twist over something so stupid anyway the crux of the matter is Moeen Ali is out of this test match and the remainder of the test series um, whilst Yorkshire's Johnny Bairstow Kent's Zach Crawley and Durham's Mark Wood return. Um, I kind of feel you have to do that because Yorkshire always do it for Johnny Bairstow. So I kind of thought <laughs> Zach Crawley needed it and so did Mark Wood. Um, that means for the first time this winter, Sibley, Burns, Lawrence, Bairstow and Crawley are actually available together. Um, gents, my math skills aren't too hot, um, but five batsmen doesn't go into three batting slots too nicely. Um, Nicole, uh, who do you think will be selected at one, two and three for England? I think Dom Sibley's fairly secure of his place. Um, he's... His rate of improvement is um, throughout his the latter part of his county career and his test career so far has been quite um, quite impressive. I have seen almost every ball of Dom Sibley's uh, test career uh, through through my work on guerrilla cricket. I'm sorry. And, well, <laughs> I, I, well, yeah, pe- people get very um, people get very hung up on the aesthetics. You know, I, I admire the fact that he has his very clear game plan and he and he he knows exactly what he's trying to do. His game has been superbly well set up for actually what we might see quite a lot of in this test match, which is top of off seam bowling. And he's built his game since moving to Warwickshire on that, on boring bowlers out, on taking advantage when the ball is in his in his scoring area. But he's also added an ability to score off good deliveries off spinners, which is something he really struggled with in New Zealand. Um, you know, Mitchell Santner on a pitch that wasn't doing very much uh, in Mount Monganui and Hamilton was able to tie him down. Keshav Maharaj in South Africa. Um, and But then... He found a way, and he, he, we saw it in the second innings of uh, of the last test in Sri Lanka. We've seen it through this this test series. He's found a way of uh, of surviving and scoring runs, and of not and of spin being brought onto him, not being a cheat code. Um, uh, and then, so I think he's he's fairly secure of his place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Dan Dan Lawrence is a curious one because he's actually he had he made a a second significant score beyond the one he made on debut, he might well be. 
secure of his place in the team with the uh the the poor form that Zach Crawley showed before his injury and with Rory Burns um not able to score um particular particularly heavily or or look particularly comfortable Burns a little bit like Sibley has one of those techniques that when it goes wrong people start getting very antsy because there's a lot of moving parts Hmm. I I would I kind of hope that England in some ways are brave and stick with Burns Sibley and Crawley if they think that that is the um that that is their their top three um I suspect however that they'll open with Sibley and Crawley and bring in Johnny Bairstow um because of his ability to play uh play the spinning ball uh because of the because of the runs he scored in uh in Sri Lanka uh because uh Burns and Lawrence haven't made an inarguable case of course that brings in the issue of Bairstow against the moving ball against the seamers which is which is a little bit of an issue um so I hope that England do stick with their, uh, you know, um, you know, have the courage of their convictions. Uh, but my suspicion from this far out is that uh, it'll be Sibley, Crawley, and Bearstow. I think that'll be close. I, I, I'm I'm actually not hundred percent sure they'll bring Crawley back. I, I think you can all. I think Bearstow is the second name on the team sheet after Root. Um, that England love him, and he's also he's he's gained massively when you say you know everyone knows the cliche sometimes not being in the side is the best way to improve or or the best way for the perception (laughs) of of a player to improve Bairstow has been an absolutely colossal beneficiary of that um, thought process Um, I don't really know why Um, he looked all right in Sri Lanka but it wasn't like he didn't look miles better than anyone else he just looked sort of vaguely competent which is kind of what Johnny Bairstow has looked like for his whole test career um however yeah i mean there, there was emily rank for brent was right he wrote an article basically just about how johnny bairstow would be the answer for england uh in this test and i i, I, I you know i was kind of reading it be like i'm not i i don't personally see that but if the if the group think has moved to that position then i can't see them not picking johnny um but yeah beyond that i think it's a lottery in a way um mm-hmm. burns v crawley's a toss-up um sibley you'd think has probably done enough for all the reasons knackle said um and i did yeah knackle's just sent me a message saying i called her emily rainford brent it is ebony rainford brent <laughs> but um yeah you know uh, england we, we, selection we, 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 jack, you, jack you just like to continue us getting our facts right and names right across the, <laughs> the whole uh, 80 odd episodes that we've done um <laughs> Okay, so uh, if if they're going to be that kind of um, battling it out, there is a thing later on which might impact what that top three looks like anyway. Um, Jack, I think in the middle order, it's pretty settled, right? Root, Stokes, Pope and Folks are going to be the ones that sit in there. I think that's pretty much certain. But as we sort of said on the last on the last episode, I think there are, you probably start have to ask some questions about Pope soon. Um, he hasn't done anything for tests. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So... I mean, he, he he benefits massively from looking the best. Um, the in the way English selection works is not being in the team good, looking the best also good. And and if you <laughs> <laughs> Bairstow's kind of maybe that's why Bairstow's in such high demand at the moment because he does kind of look good and he hasn't been in the team. Um, mm-hmm. But I yeah I don't know I don't I, I they are going to stick with that team. You're you're absolutely right, Ross. But um, should they is another question. Well, who would come in for for Pope for you if you were to? To, to cast him aside temporarily. Well, so I don't really see what the difference between Lawrence and and, and, and Pope is, uh, except that Lawrence scored runs at six when he batted there in Sri Lanka. 
similarly, Bearstow would probably be a better six than Pope, and then you can and then you can stick with the top three that Knackle mentioned, uh, but Sibley, Burns, and uh, Crawley, because uh, Sibley, Burns, and Crawley seems to be the t- the, the the trio they want um, over the next year if Burns can can do something. Um, so I I don't know. I mean, like, I, I I would question why Pope is nailed on and and some of the others aren't. I mean, a, a t- a, he does have a first class average in the high fifties. We should we should remember Ollie Pope. And you do need to what England have been very good at for a number of years now. This is not just in the last in the last few years. Is giving players a, a fairly long rope and giving sure. players a chance. And I, I think it would be counterproductive to Jetson to Jetson well, and not, Ollie Pope now. I don't. I he hasn't. I, I'm not saying let's end Pope's test career. I'm saying that sometimes a player gets stuck in a rut. Um, maybe that's because of the, his shoulder injury. I don't know. I'll say he's, he's barely um, barely played. So I, yeah, I think I, I, think, I think resting them or moving them out of the the firing line, such as it is, for a, a, a big series away against India, where they're probably not going to do anything if they're not in great form, for a player who you know we've all decided is the new savior in Bearstow might not be the worst thing you can do over the next two tests. I I, um, I, I take the point on on his high first class average as well, but I think what we really what do we really know from first class cricket? It 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 does it shows it or it, it it can divide players who are bad at cricket from players who are good at cricket, but it's not necessarily a guarantee that a player will be good the level up um, being good in first class cricket. Um so I I, I'm still yet to be convinced by Pope. I mean, like, play him or don't play him, I, I, th- I don't think it really matters. Um, I, I think if we're relying on Pope to score the runs, uh, it's probably gone wrong. Um, so, <laughs> but I do, I, I'd be maybe more interested in seeing Lawrence for another couple of tests. So I mean, this is the crux of the cricket podcast, really. So I, I'm thoroughly enjoying the bit where we go, "Oh, we've got a guy who averages for 50 in first-class cricket." We'd just be like, "Is he actually that good?" Oh, is he? Uh, yes, he is. He is actually that good. He, yeah. well, he, I'm he a isn't... sorry fan, so I would say that, but but he isn't for <laughs> England. Well, he hasn't been so far. He's been. Well, he's been. You know, he's about as good as Johnny Bairstow. He's probably got uh, a higher ceiling than Johnny Bairstow, so you know, keep him around for that reason, maybe. But let's not pretend that Ollie Pope should just definitely be in the team. Well, in, on my notes, I didn't have going down into uh, Pope's career d- on my on my list, but I'm glad we've gone there. Uh, anyway, eight and below is where things get even more interesting, especially in the day-nighter, as uh, Max has explained. Um, and it's actually England's squad actually gives England a bit of flexibility to really shuffle the deck here. Um, and what is interesting for me is they kind of have two options here. Do they go with the full five bowling slots that they've done throughout, or do they go with four and with Stokes and Root picking up the slack? So you, you, the the question there is, we could actually play another batsman if England are a bit scared around getting rolled um, by by India yet again. Um, let's stick for the time being with five bowling slots. Um, Max, your favourite swinger and Jimmy Anderson will surely come back in at number 11. Yeah, I think so. I think you. Um, I think there's sort of a thought that maybe we'll go Broad and Anderson, and we'll see them together. But I would actually. I mean, this might might not be a popular opinion, but I'd quite like to see Wokes play alongside Anderson because he can bat a bit. So, so, th- so this is this is quite interesting, Max. So because Leach is more than likely going to retain his position um, as yeah. the primary spinner. Archer, if he's fit, plays. So that's already your three bowl three bowling slots. But that's three number elevens right there. To Joffre Archer has not proved to anybody that he's anything <laughs> other than a Test match number eleven. Um, in T Twenty cricket, different story. Um, who takes eight is then the question, Max. So Chris Wokes is the best of the batsmen, uh, best of the batting bowlers, I suppose. Um, 
Don Bess has been dropped. Was told that he was dropped, and then Moeen Ali was told to, was asked to stay on, so Bess didn't have to play. That's not going to be great for a young spinner's kind of confidence in there. Um, would you pick Wokes for his batting then, Max, or would you actually go? Do you know what? We've got enough batting here down to seven. Um, then we can see either Mark Wood or Ollie Stone or Broad coming in as well. It's a tough one, isn't it? I think ultimately to win a, a Test match, you need. 20 you need to take 20 wickets but but um i i just i can't i i'd like to see us have the option of the extra seamer and i just can't i yeah i can't see uh a batting lineup with that tail it's too it's too flimsy for me i i think um i mean i think india india can get away with it because uh they've they've shown the the sort of the strength that they have uh, in that in that top order but we're we've been you know mulling over whether uh, Ollie Pope's done enough to to stay in the team we've been seeing uh, Rory Burns all at sea and no runs coming at number three so it's it's uh, it's maybe not the right way to think about test cricket but you kind of do have to think about winning the game mm-hmm. isn't it amazing how a team who have won six out of their last seven away games uh, can suddenly be plunged into crisis by one defeat. Um, <laughs> I, I, I would be very surprised if it isn't Leach, Archer, Anderson, and Broad um, from from eight to eleven with Ben Stokes as the uh, as the fifth bowling option, and then Joe Root if you need him. Um, mm. I would be if you are going to play Chris Wokes, this is where he's going to play um, in in the, in this Test match. But I would be very surprised if it isn't if it isn't those four. Um, with uh with Anderson Broad's ability to move the ball at any stage of the innings um Archer genuinely gave India the hurry up on a not particularly quick pitch in that in that first test match nobody's particularly looking forward to facing Joffrey Archer um um at any point uh and I think that and Leach has, has certainly done enough to to more than enough to to establish himself as England's probably first choice spinner all other things being equal but Maureen Ali probably has a slightly higher ceiling but it's going to take him a while to get back to that and it's how how many games he'll get to be able to do that um England I think England should be brave and and pick their their best attack um you know Leach will be solid Stuart Broad's batting's actually recovered uh, in to some to some extent in in recent in recent times he's actually um, scoring relatively heavily, and he's scoring those quick cameo uh, runs that he was able to score um, earlier. It is mystifying to me that Joffrey Archer hasn't been able to turn his quite decent first-class batting record into mm. anything in uh, in international cricket, bar the I think the odd T Twenty um, mm. innings. But I, I don't know that the in the calculus between Wokes's extra extra batting and the extra penetration of I guess Anderson, if you're leaving, if you're leaving. Uh, if you're leaving him out for Chris Wokes, I I think that Anderson comes out on the on the plus side of that. And the other the other thing is that um, Chris Wokes has shown himself very susceptible to the short ball uh, in, in in recent years. We remember in the in the twenty in both the last two Ashes series, both in Australia and in England, he's he's shown himself um, he's been pinned completely to the crease and gone from a very competent looking player, someone who looks like he could bat number six, to uh, to someone who looks like he's really struggling against the against the short ball so it's not the it's not the guaranteed lock that you might that he might have been despite um completely take his you know the fact he looks great and he and he did um back beautifully in that win against pakistan uh i i i still think though that the extra uh the extra class of uh, of bowler that anderson broad and archer all are uh gets them the gets them the win so i think that india should england rather should go in with their uh with their best attack i'm not i'm not philosophically wedded to that as an idea 
necessarily. I don't actually necessarily think that you that it's you know go for your best bowlers and hang the runs because the lower order runs are important. But I think in this case, uh, I think going with uh, with Archer Broad, Anderson, and Leach as your as your four plus Ben Stokes. I think you've won me over, Knuckle. Yeah. I, 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 I said I said I thought the question might need to be asked, and I think you've answered the question for me very, very well. Yeah, I, <laughs> I do. I, I'd I, agree with that as well, Ross. So, <laughs> so well, I, yeah, I don't. I don't think we're going to pick Broad. If I'm perfectly honest, with you. I, th- I think uh, Nicole, your point around Archie giving them the hurry up. Um, I think if England have the option, they would rather go with another person who's got a bit of pace around them. And the Ollie Stone proved a perfectly useful bowler. Mark Wood is a reasonable bowler as well. I um, think under lights, so, though, I just don't. I, I think the, yeah. the, the the temptation, rightly, I think, is so strong to play both of them. The, if, if say the ball does move around, say that it really does go, England will win the Test match with those two bowlers. Hmm. I don't know if they yeah. will win because of the because of the quality of India's seam attack, well, but it gives them the best chance of doing so for sure. I, I would say okay, maybe rephrase that. They'll be favourites. If you you don't you don't if you've got eleven hundred wickets worth of green seamer yeah, <laughs> in your back pocket, and you get served a wicket that swings and seams, you you like when else when else are you going to get that opportunity? Um, well, it's certainly the best chance we we will have in the last out of the last two games. Funnily yeah. enough. <laughs> anyway, Ross, India. Let's do India quickly. Yes. So uh, India's selection is probably a little bit more straightforward than England's, um, but there's a couple of areas which need looking at, and uh, we never know how much attention their selection team want, do we? So um, <laughs> let's, let's let's go through that. So uh, um, Shardul Thakur is out, and Umesh Yadav is the only change um, to the Test squad. Um, as it is a day nighter. I actually think that India will they'll drop cool deep. I mean, he had little to do with the second test, even though India steamrolled us. Um, but I think they'll go with two spinners and three seamers. Um, Jack, as you said, Ashwin and Axar are more than likely going to take that spot. There's there's no need to change them. They both do what India need them to do. Um, so the two remaining spots will be occupied by Evergreen, Ishant Sharma and Bumrah, who's coming back into the test side um, after being rested for the um, second test. Um, the final spot then goes between Yadav, uh, Umesh that is, and Mohamed Siraj, unless India are going to look to do a kind of a Chris Wokes thing here, Max. Um, but they've got a better version of Chris Wokes in these conditions um, with Hardik Pandya, who um, his fitness was questioned Um uh, Nicole, what do you think in terms of uh, in terms of the lineup? Do you think it will just be um, Yadav coming in, or do we think Pandya has a chance of um, coming into the side? From what we know, Hardik Pandya is not fit to bowl uh, right now, and we believe that that's the case. Certainly, where our colleague said that at the start of the series, mm-hmm. um, I've heard nothing to the to the contrary. If he were fit to bowl, then there might be a temptation to play him instead of Uksher, uh and, and going with with him. Um, certainly, you know, explosive lower order batting, um, and I think come. When England come to sorry, when India come to England, um, I would not be surprised if India go in with a lower order of Hardik Pandya, uh, Rishabh Pant, and Ravindra Jadeja, which is a pretty tasty lower middle order and and and, and covers a lot of bases there. Um, Absolutely, you know, nobody's looking forward to having those three come in. At, um, you know, when it's two hundred and fifty for five or whatever. <laughs> um, uh, but I, I I agree with that. I think the only the only uh, it'll be uh, Bumrah will come in for, for Kuldeep Yadav, who I feel a bit sorry for and somehow hasn't made the T20 squad, which I don't really understand, um, uh, given that India have picked th- four spinners, uh, <laughs> uh, or four spinning all-rounders plus Chahel. Um, I'm not quite sure what's going on with the uh, with, the, with that, but uh, uh, but that's a pretty that's a fairly minor point. And then, yeah, it's it's depending. If Umesh Yadav's fit, um, does he play over Mohamed Siraj? 
Um, and I think I think the answer for me is yes, um, because of Umesh's record uh, in India over the last several years, um, uh, taking his wickets at well under uh, just under twenty. Uh, his ability to bowl very straight, his ability to reverse swing the ball. He's India's best reverse swing bowler. Um, and yeah, I think I, as I, said, I keep saying this, it's a mouth watering prospect. Archer, Broad, and Anderson against Bumrah, Ishant, and Umesh with Ashwin and Stokes as the you know, backup option, so to speak. I mean, that, that that's pretty tasty. I don't care who you're supporting if you're or if you're like me, sort of biased in favor of cricket rather than uh, <laughs> rather than either of the two teams. I mean, that, that's just that's that's quality test cricket, right? That's quality cricket right there on mm-hmm. on both sides. And it, I'm, I, I'm really looking forward to this test match for that reason. And we don't have to get up at 4am to watch it in this country. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Although weirdly, actually, given that I'm, an, I'm a university student, that actually makes it harder for me to watch the game. <laughs> oh, you, might miss some, you might miss some of Dom Sibley. I'm so sorry for you. Um, I, He's got such a good run on his, on his career so far. Yeah. Don't throw it away now. Uh, I think you're right, Ross. I think they'll, they'll, they'll probably go with two spinners. But... Mm-hmm. There, there is the the Indian selection carousel, which could throw in a wild card. I mean, nobody thought Shabazz Nadim was going to come in for the, for the first test. Um, so maybe England will get lucky and it will it, they'll, they'll play an unfit Hardik. Um, you never you, like you don't know. Uh, yeah, you don't, I, don't. I, cue him I, I scoring do... a hundred. <laughs> cue him scoring hundred and fifty on one leg. Uh, yeah. it, the, the Shabazz Nadim thing was a bit. You know, Akshay got injured on the in the warm up. I was going into that test thinking it was going to be Ashwin, uh, Washington, and and Kuli, but uh, mm. but it didn't end up being uh, like that. Yeah, in, India's selection has been a little bit quirky, and there was this long run of Virat Kohli not picking, not only not picking the same eleven from one game to the next, but there was a, I think in his first twenty tests there was a different eleven every single time. Um, I think that has settled down a little bit yeah. um, because for once almost all of the fast bowlers are fit at the same time. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily the tinkerer. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say England are much better when it comes to selection because we picked Joe Denley for about three thousand tests in a row. <laughs> but uh, uh, he did a job, mate. He did a job. Yeah, anyway, poor old ball eater. Put Joe, he's done all right, <laughs> Denley. Yeah. Um, uh, last, last, lastly, Jack. Um, there is a question mark over Shubman Gill's fitness. Uh, he took a nasty blow to the forearm in the last test, um, so we could see Agarwal uh, come in. He's got a test average of forty-five, which is reasonable, and even better in India. Um, or even KL Rahul, who uh, has a great record against England, but um, he is assumed to be fit. So uh, that'd be the only bit. And then Pujara, Kohli, Rahane, Pant, along with Rohit, and um, we'll make up the rest. Should we make a quick prediction and then move on to the IPL? Absolutely. Uh, I'll, I'll go first. Cool. Uh, this is England's cup final. They, they have to go for it and they have to play to their strengths. Um, conditions are obviously going to play a big part in the outcome of this, um, but we have to get a much better um, performance from the batsmen in this, in, this, uh, in this test match than we did last time. Um, I think uh, if England get benefit um, with the India selection mishap, then England will win the game. So uh, I'm going to put my ha- go for England uh, winning. Max, go on. You can go next. Uh so I am predicting an absolute feast of cricket. I think it's going to be uh, a cracking, cracking game. And England are going to come close and just lose by about 50-odd runs, I reckon. Uh, knuckle? Uh, I think it's also going to be, it's going to be a wonderful... Knuckle. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's going to be a wonderful test match. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, 55,000 people under lights. You know, I've, you know, I've made my... Um, you know, we talked about the political dimensions of the stadium and all of that. It cannot be cannot be ignored, particularly with what's going on in India right now with the with the the farmers' protest. You know, um, India are trying their best to pretend it's not happening, but uh, but but all of those 
and you can't completely divorce sport from the society in which it exists and neither should you but it's going to be um it's going to be an amazing sight to to quality teams to really uh top quality bowling attacks um but i think india's um the fact that india's bowlers have become so good in in indian conditions uh and and the fact that um i think india's batters look a little bit more confident than england's uh do right now um and you know if if you're kind of pairing everyone off against each other the fact that ashwin is um on on a pitch that we're not expecting to be massively helpful for the spinners but we'll you know we'll probably be have a little bit in it you know you'll be able to at least get some bounce out of the surface um on a on a quote-unquote true pitch ashwin is a long way ahead of jack leach um uh, i think it's fair to say um so i i I think india will will win this test match um but i'm it's going to be a fantastic test match um and i'm really looking forward to it yeah i i would probably sort of give the same answer i think england will have a chance to win this game um, but I think ultimately India just have too many good players uh, in Indian conditions. And and whilst the the lights um, will equalise that to some extent, um, India looked really, really good in that second test. Uh, and they'd have to fall quite a long way. And England would also have to be at their very best, uh, I think, for there to be a reverse. So I'm going to yeah. go India. It was... It was the India that that we all expected when you predicted the four nil drubbing. Wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. On, on um, a pitch, on a pitch that India almost never, India don't do to pictures like that anymore. They haven't done for a long time. And actually, the last time they produced a pitch that turned that much, they lost uh, in <laughs> uh, in in Pune, actually, um, which. Uh, which which I've talked about as not wanting to exist anymore. But, but they, <laughs> what, India's home record in the last few years has been built on on the seamers doing really well and on playing outplaying the opposition in fairly neutral conditions hmm. um and i think we're going to go back to a repeat of that yeah well, it, it wouldn't stun me anyway should we take a little break and then come back with the ipl winners and losers we love hearing from our listeners so please follow us at the cricket pod on twitter and instagram or if you have a great story like Scotty G did about the Hayden Way, Matthew Hayden's personal website, we want to hear about it. So from wherever you're from, send us in a great story and we'll read out on the show. Email us on thecricketpod at gmail.com. Thank you very much. Let's get into the IPL then. Of course, there was the auction last Thursday. Uh, I'm taking it as as we're all doing a cricket podcast on the IPL auction. We we watched it, fellas. It was, we followed it, it was, in, a, in a manner. <laughs> it was good. Uh, it was the first one I've watched. Um, it wasn't as boring as I ex- expected it to be. So uh, that's a thumbs up from me. And um, what we're going to do here is we're going to go through each franchise and we're going to have a quick chat about who the winners and losers were. Now, fellas, um, this isn't a game show, but if it were a game show, uh, th- there should be four winners and, and four losers. If you think about it in, 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 in that's how it will balance out. So keep that in your mind when you decide whether uh, a franchise has been a winner or a loser. And as ever, we will start with last year's worst team, the Rajasthan Royals. Um, we highlighted prior to the auction that they needed to prioritize bowling uh, and particularly death bowling. Um, I think it's, it's probably fair to say they put their money where our mouths were. Uh, and spent 16.25 crore on picking up Chris Morris. Uh, Max, in your mind, let's just let's let, let's tick this one off straight away. Um, was that good business? 
well, I mean, when you've got the money to spend and that's the kind of ideal sort of player that you need, then, uh, yeah, absolutely. We've seen enough people uh, get it wrong, so go for it. <laughs> um, I, I, I thought it was as well. I mean, obviously it looks like a lot of money, but there were, you have to remember that it was a mini auction, um, so there weren't loads of players available, and and, and uh, it was mini- classic supply and demand economics. It, it was classic supply and demand. There weren't that many bowlers, to be honest, who were proven in those death overs and, and could bat a little bit. So, um, you know, RCB should never have let him go. Basically, um, Ross, the reaction in England to Chris Morris going for two million dollars uh, has been one of shock, basically. Uh, can you really briefly explain why he might actually be a good T20 option? Well, the issue that I think a lot of people who don't follow the IPL and don't have a basic grasp of kind of uh, the supply and demand economics um, <laughs> means that they can they, they compare kind of apples with so it's completely different, right? They, they are sitting there going, "Oh, why is Adil Rashid not been picked? Why, um, how comes uh, Alex Hales has not been picked up?" And there's so many different things at play. And regardless if we agree with whether Alex Hales or um, Adil Rashid were picked up or not picked up, it comes back to the fact that. The IPL teams, this is a mini auction. You're not going from scratch. They've got a pretty much a full squad already. Um, and picking up Chris Morris, who can do stuff at the start of the innings with opening and do stuff at the end of the innings, is actually quite a rare skill set, as well as his strike rate that he has um, coming in at the end. And we know that in T20 cricket, you've only got a small amount of balls to deal with and hit as many runs as possible. Rajasthan Royals finished last last year because they couldn't get their batting lineup right. Um, Steve Smith was awful for them throughout the whole tournament. And I think it's a great bit of business getting rid of him and actually picking up some of the players they have done um, along the lines of Chris Morris and Liam Livingston. There we are. Um, their CEO, Chris Lush McCrum, which is a, a boardroom name. Uh, he he was very happy with 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 what they managed to pull off. Uh, Chris Morris was their number one target, apparently. Um Alongside that, they won the sweepstake for Shivam Doob, Shivam Dube rather. Um, he went for four crore, which is overpriced. But as we said before the auction, there, there was a, a a little bit of a dearth of Indian players that were that were proven in in the tournament. So um, you know, good for Shivam. Uh, and then and then as backups, uh, they picked up Liam Livingston and Mustafa Zur. Rahman. Um, in my mind, the Rajasthan Royals are a definite winner. Uh, I think their squad is much better than it was uh, this time last week. I think Chris Morris is a, a really good IPL player, to be honest. Uh, probably not worth $2 million, but in this auction, maybe he was. So maybe he is worth $2 million. Um, I think they've got some good backups. I still think they've got a little bit of a problem overall in that they don't have the greatest Indian core, if you like, and that will probably stop them being going from sort of last to first. But I expect them to challenge for the playoffs now. Um, Knuckle, uh on the Rajasthan Royals, uh, were they winners or losers in your mind? Uh, certainly winners. I mean, they identified they they had a hole there with the with the with the death bowling. They needed somebody other than Archer uh, to be able to do that. Uh, Jofra Archer was the IPL MVP last year, and they still finished last, albeit in a very congested table. I mean, they could easily have finished fifth. Um, you know, with with, with some things going uh, slightly the other way. I think one of the games they lost was in a super over as well. So there's a certain amount of um, a certain amount of variance uh, there. But yeah, uh, Chris Morris was a was a very decent uh, is a very decent IPL player. He's a good death bowler. As we said, he can hit the ball a very long way. He's a very good fielder, um, and he can fill in um, at, at various points in the uh, in the order. Um, they had the 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 spin 
I mean, they don't have an elite spin bowler, but Shreyas Gopal is a very decent IPL spinner. Rahul Tevatia did bits and pieces, and we, we've certainly seen what he can do with the bat, albeit a couple of those were complete freak innings. He, by the way, <laughs> has managed to get himself an, an Indian call-up, so fair play, yeah. <laughs> fair play to Rahul Tevatia. Uh, Karthik Tiagi and Jadevo Nadka, uh, both very, you know, okay with the ball. And then you've got a uh, potentially really uh, powerful top order, which is, you know, Joss Butler, Yashasri Jaisval, the young Indian uh, under-19 player, a very good player. Sanjay Samson's taken over as captain. Um, ben Stokes had a, a, a good year. I, I, interesting to see if they go with him opening again. I would my sort of I did a review of the of the auction piece for Gorilla Cricket and had Stokes in the middle order allowing Butler to go back to the top of the order and concentrate on what he's good at kind of the uh, Rajasthan got into this position last year where they where they needed uh two Joss Butlers um they needed him at the top of the order and in the middle order um and I think they filled a little bit of that hole um and then yeah they got the good backup Shivam Dubey Liam Livingston who they released and bought back invoking the Unadka principle uh this is something <laughs> Rajasthan have been good at for a very long time which actually I think is what RCB were trying to do with Morris is let him go buy him yeah. back for cheaper <laughs> um it didn't work. Oops. It didn't really work because Rajasthan <laughs> threw, threw the bank at him. Um, still had quite a bit of money left over, actually, Rajasthan, uh, by the end um, of the of the auction. Um, second only to Punjab in terms of how much money they had uh, left over. Um, yeah, Stephen Smith um, really unbalanced the team really last year, as did Robin Uttapa, and they've got rid of both of those. So, yeah, it's interesting. They've got rid of all of their anchors over the last three years, Rahane, Smith, and Uttapa. Um, and I think, yeah, they, they look like playoff contenders. Having said that, if and the other thing actually that's in, in Rajasthan's favour is that it doesn't look like they'll be losing Butler, Stokes, and Archer towards the end of the uh, of the IPL if that is a if they are in playoff contention this time round, uh, which is something that has been a problem for them in the last few years. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I I would expect Rajasthan to uh, to certainly challenge for the playoffs um, uh, based on their auction performance. Max and Ross, Max, winners or losers? Winners for yep. me. Winners for me. Cool. Um, next on the list, then, uh, going from eighth to first, is Chennai Super Kings, Ross. My favourite team to talk about. They are not my favourite <laughs> team to follow. Uh, in our preview, we said that CSK had made a mistake in only freeing up one overseas slot when they needed more big hitting in their batting lineup throughout. Um, and this decision ultimately resulted in a couple of things um, a bidding war that they were never going to win for Glenn Maxwell. Um, picking up Moeen Ali for seven crore, um, which although it's expensive, I think is actually a really strong pickup with his ability to play spin. He offers a useful bowling option and he's an experienced head at, what, 33, 34, um, which CSK place a lot of value on. Um, not sure everybody else does. Um, they then had to get involved with the domestic player bubble. Um, which caused them to blow way too much money on uh, Gotham, Gautam, Gautam. I don't know how to say it properly, so I apologise to our YouTube um, commenters in advance. Um, but that was way too much money at 9.25 crore. Like, he is a pretty bang average player. Um, and in the, in the kind of open auction, I'll be surprised if he even went for, what, a quarter of that maybe. Um, so the mini auction uh, does crazy things to the mind. Um, with these purchases, they had then had very little room to actually manoeuvre. So um, picking up three backups for 20 lakh um, and a pity purchase. Um, and that pity purchase was tested. I think that's so harsh. Oh, it is a pity purchase. So there's no two ways around this, right? So it was it's Test Supremo Pajara. And I have no issue with the man or the talent he clearly has in the test arena, but he is an awful pickup in a 2021, a T20 competition played in 2021. It is madness that they picked him up. 
<laughs> I think the only thing you can say is he was really cheap. Um, yeah, I mean, he costs next to nothing. <laughs> and yeah, all right, he's not exactly a T20, uh, T- T20 specialist, but he's a world-class batsman, so you never know. He might he's, be able he's to He's got us talking something. about Chennai Super Kings as well. Pajara's so, got Pajara's one of these players. He actually quite has a very good list A average, bizarrely. I think he he if we don't actually know where most of this IPL is going to be played, there is talk of it mostly being played in bubbles around Mumbai and Pune. If they do end up playing at Chennai, actually Pujara is a very fluent player of spin bowling. And, you know, if there's a bunch of injuries and they need him to to do a sort of Kane Williamson style role at the top of the order, a kind of um anchor scoring at just over a run of ball, sort of 120 runs per hundred balls, I could see him being able to but to to do that, and as you say, it's a kind of a shot to nothing, really, with with Chitesha Pujara, uh, in terms of him being able to um, to do something. You know, if it doesn't work, you haven't spent a lot of money, um, and the squad's reset next year anyway. Um, yeah, uh, KKR and and the Sunrise has really kind of um, inflated the bidding for Krishna Pogotham, who is a decent player, and I think was probably unlucky to be let go by a couple of different franchises. He, I'd, I'm he, gonna, I, I, I've got his numbers here: twenty-four IPL matches, uh, averages fourteen with the bat, uh, at a good strike rate. It has to be said, it's it's a really good strike rate. Um, but then with the ball, uh, averages forty-three uh, and a poor economy. Uh, I I think Ross is, I mean, like we 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 can see why it happened, but this is a bubble purchase, in my opinion. It's uh, they needed something. The, the curious thing about um, him is he, he barely played actually last year. He had a full, he had a really good season, uh, a full season in twenty eighteen. Uh, had a poor season in twenty nineteen, and then barely played last season. So it's really hard to work out exactly what he is as a as a <laughs> t, as a T twenty player. He's a he's a backup option. Um, he does the same kind of job that Moinelli does. If you want to. Uh, in terms of an off-spinning all-rounder who can hit the ball quite hard, not quite as well. But if you need the overseas slot somewhere else, then you know they overpaid for him. But you know they they didn't really want anything else. Chennai Chennai had some of the raw materials they needed last season. Obviously, Suresh Reina being back for them is a big deal. Uh, being someone who can inject some some energy into their top order along with along with Moinelli. We saw Sam Curran being able to do a good job for them at the top of the order. Um, it, it it's hard to see some of the players like. Uh, underperforming to the same extent they did last year. Some guys like Ambati Raidu um, uh, kept hold of Faf, they kept hold of Faf Duplessis, which I think is a good pickup. Rutaraj Gaikwad and Jagdishan were both players who grew into that tournament. Uh, Hari Nishant, who they've picked up as a uh, for for twenty lakh, had a really had a really good domestic winter for India. Uh, in uh, sorry, in in Indian um, in the domestic to- tournaments, um, so is a a potential useful option. And then the bowling wasn't a problem to begin with, um, so they, they they'll take plenty of wickets even without the the fact, even despite the fact that they barely played Imran Tahir and DJ Bravo, who are two of the highest wicket takers in T Twenty history. I think Bravo is the highest wicket taker in 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 T Twenty history. So it's a kind of it's a sort of a reset and model along um, until the mega auction type of uh, type of deal for CSK. But I think it could work. Well, I, uh, Nicole, I think um, that they are one of the biggest losers of the draft. Um, and I think they, they they had the opportunity to build a playoff-worthy side, and I think they've missed out on a good opportunity. Um, Moeen Ali could be a fantastic pickup for them if they play him at like four, um, and he could be a real asset there. But he, like many others in their squad, as they demonstrated in IPL 20, they're inconsistent. They're not delivering all all the time. And I think, unfortunately, the uh, CSK retirement bus party will go around another (laughs) loop of disappointment. Um, And it's going to take something very special for them to have any chance of getting to the playoffs, let alone winning the IPL 21. I wouldn't want to hear from me and Max on whether we think they're winners or losers, Ross. 
No, I don't. Uh, yeah, we're going Max. You, uh, winners or losers? Yeah, I think probably ultimately uh, uh, just about losers. I don't. I don't think it's as disastrous as you make out. But I, I do find it a little odd that they've uh, spent uh, what sixty. They've spent one Chris Morris on both Moinelli and uh, Krishnabha Gotam, which is uh, it seems a lot to spend on two players who do roughly the same thing. Yeah, I, Jack. I, I think it's quite hard to say. Right. So there's two things here. I think overall their auction strategy has been bad um I, I think only releasing one overseas player uh when when they 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 had the opportunity i think to to do as you say Ross, to 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 rebuild the sides to make it more playoff worthy uh was stupid but bearing in mind they went into auction day with only one overseas spot to fill i actually think they're a slight winner in that i think they've improved versus the competition um today mm. um so, or, or uh, since that auction, um, I mean, Gautam, not amazing, but will probably play sometimes and, and probably won't be a disaster. Moe Nally, pretty good. But you be saying that. So with the you kind of the, the bit for me is the auction strategy in general, right? Going in with one over one overseas slot was a massive error for them. So, okay. If, if we're playing with just the, how did the auction go with the constraints they put on themselves? It's actually fine. <laughs> if, if I, if I shot, if I was a sprinter and I shot my leg before the start of the game and go, Oh, I still made it to the finish line before bleeding out. Doesn't mean I did a good job being a sprinter. Does it? Because I put the constraint on myself. No, um, I, 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 I do like the, I do there. like the idea of CSK uh, doing some kind of stunt auction uh, <laughs> where they, uh, where they uh, handicapped themselves. Um, I, I mean, certainly they didn't really use Josh Hazelwood last year. They barely used Mitchell Santner, who actually I think could be a really useful uh, T20 option for somebody. Um, and mm-hmm. actually, particularly given if if there are games at Chepok this year, um, could be really um, dangerous. I remember, I remember in RPL 2019, he had one game where he was just unplayable. Um, the ball was turning from outside leg and missing off and his ability to turn the ball at pace. And he's a good batter as well. And he's a, he's a very clever cricketer. Um, he's, he's a classic case of, you know, a, a good overseas all-rounder in the wrong team um, in, in in that sense. Um, and yeah, they probably could have freed up and maybe if they weren't going to use Bravo or Tahir. But I think it's they, they want the they want to keep the band together for one last hurrah, one final uh, farewell concert. And then I think they're looking at rebuilding next year in the mega auction. Um, so I think it, it's almost I don't know if winners or losers. They sort of refuse to play, I think, is probably the best way of putting it in the in the auction. Fair enough. Uh, who should we go to next, Jack? Well, Punjab Kings, uh, or Punjab, as we were correct. Punjab, yeah. Punjab Kings, yes. Um, newly newly named from Kings Eleven Punjab, now Punjab Kings. Um, so their uh, their marquee purchase, uh, they they had a well. Let's, let's talk about the the areas they need to improve on really in this auction. I mean, th- probably quite a few. Um, they needed to sort out their bowling a little bit, particularly at the death. Um, and then also really needed a bit of lower order hitting. So their uh, their biggest purchase was uh, was Jai Richardson for fourteen crore, which uh, TCP's uh, Dan Weston, uh, Dan Weston's friend of the podcast, um, he uh, he really valued his uh, skill set. I mean, we've mentioned already the valuable skill set that Chris Morris has of being able to bowl. Um, death overs and and hit it in the lower order and um and that's sort of uh, i guess ex- exactly what um the punjab kings have have done so do, do you think uh jai richardson's a, a good pick overall albeit for a, a little more money than you might expect i mean i think, I if, think uh, yeah sorry i think we're probably gonna say the same thing if dan weston says he is then dan weston probably <laughs> knows more than us yeah 
<laughs> I would I would trust Dan. Yeah. I, I did a series of IPL preview team by team um videos and um people I was doing it with, we picked Jai Richardson as the must have for about four different franchises. <laughs> and I, I think you could see yeah. that in how in how sought after he was. The confusing thing is was that you would think Riley Meredith is the if we can't get Jai Richardson option, but they ended up with both of them. I'm not quite sure, mm. not quite sure how that worked. I guess if someone one of them gets injured, it's fair enough. And they had a huge amount of money to spend, mostly through the fact that they got rid of um, that they released Glenn Maxwell, who for some reason just didn't work last year. It absolutely should have worked, and it should have been one of the most exciting T20 batting lineups of all time with Gale and Puran and uh, and Glenn Maxwell. It just did just didn't work for whatever reason. Um, KL uh, Rahul, the ball eater. That's why. Yeah, indeed, KL Rahul, who KL Rahul, power play specialist, who then just sort of stopped. Uh, yeah. uh, repeatedly, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, better no. protect that. Better protect that T Twenty yeah, average. It actually makes Darwin Milan, who they also picked up, is actually quite a good foil for KR Rahul because the fact that Rahul they sort of the worms cross over quite nicely because Rahul starts very quickly and then plateaus, and then Darwin Milan's classic ten off ten ends up as a seventy ball hundred thing <laughs> works out quite well. And then you've got Puran, who I think is a dynamite player. He's a wonderful, yeah. wonderful cricketer. Uh, Nicholas Puran, so much fun to watch. Amaya Gagawal so- did quite well last year. Um, and then, yeah, Joe Richardson gives them the death bowling option that they were sorely lacking last year. They tried it with Chris Jordan, didn't really do too much. They kept kept him on. Um, and Sheldon Cottrell didn't work out for them last year either. You've got Riley Meredith as a backup option if if uh, if Jai Richardson doesn't get in, uh, gets injured or they, they want to leave out Chris Gale. Um, and and uh, although Gale did, did quite well for them as, a, as an injection of energy in the... Uh, yeah. in that number three slot last year. I think, I think... He's no spring chicken, so I, I can't see him playing every game. No, and, and, they, he, and like you say, they've got options now. He, they won't play every game, but they, they've got so they've got those options. They picked up um, Shah Rukh Khan, um, which, which given his um, nominative similarity to one of India's greatest actors, is absolute meme fodder for whoever's running Punjab's <laughs> uh, Twitter account. Uh, Sofiraz yeah. Khan, who I think is a very decent player uh, in, indeed. Um Two two potentially interesting overseas all rounder options. Fabian Allen, who again will seems to go through his entire IPL career being a really good player who everyone picks That's out as a, a really a good a bargain, player, isn't it? Uh, but probably won't play. Um, but, but but yeah, Fabian Fabian Allen for seventy five lakh is a massive steal. Uh, Moses Enriques for four point two crore, a little bit less so, but you know a useful <laughs> you know a useful um, option potentially. Um, well, how, how do they get away with it? Well, how, how did it... I think it's, on, it's Dan's talked about this before. It's the recency bias. People have seen yeah. Henrique's be okay or above average in the BBL, and they're like, "We need a player a bit like that, or we need a backup a bit like that." And they don't, rather than have a skill set they're looking to 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 auction for or draft for, they have a player. And so, if someone else shows interest in that player, they end up bidding too much. When actually, they should be saying, "Oh, okay, well, that's." like oh, one crore is too much for him or two crore is too much for him let's just get someone else with that skill set and that i mean yeah that's that's fundamentally i i think how some of these players end up going as high yeah. as they do there's also there's not just the recency bias but the visibility bias the bbl mm. is televised in india and it happens not that long before the auction the blast for example is not televised uh very heavily in india and so you get uh, an undervaluing perhaps of some English players but it is on in in Bangladesh and so you just before the and I think in Pakistan which is why you get seem to get a lot more English players playing the Bangladesh Premier League in mm-hmm. the PSL well we've seen Paul Sterling's just gone over to the PSL hasn't he and he he went unsold in the in the IPL I, I don't think he even made it into the long list did he Paul, no, Paul he did, Sterling yeah. you know a, a, a quality T20 player Paul Sterling 
Yeah, oh, and and we've we've seen and we've mentioned already, haven't we? Or we will mention that there's a few teams that could have done with a uh, a high scoring opening opening batsman. So uh, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting point. I think we've been through quite a quite a few of the um, the the players that the Punjab ended up picking up. I think. I mean, yeah, over Moises and Rikis is pretty uninspiring for the amount he cost, but they had a lot of money to spend, so it's not uh, it's not exactly a disaster. Well, they, end, they, ended, me, they ended the auction with enough money to buy to buy uh, Chris Morris and have a little bit left over. <laughs> they had a huge amount of money to spend. Yeah, so perhaps perhaps maybe they should have been a little uh, a little more trigger happy with with uh, with their bidding. But I think overall they've probably had uh, a, a positive auction. I think Jai, Jai Richardson is their marquee signing, and he's the most important player for them to fill the the gaps that they need to fill. The other players that they picked up. I don't think they're a step down, particularly from anything uh, they've released. I mean, Glenn Maxwell, they've they've let Glenn Maxwell go and maybe he'll be brilliant this time around, <laughs> but he wasn't for them last year. So you can understand uh, you can understand why they freed up a bit of the purse for that. Um, like Jimmy Neesham was, uh, you know, he they let him go. There's no, he's not necessarily going to be any any better than um, Moises and Reeks. And, um, and yeah, I think over, for overall for me, I think uh, probably positive. And that's mainly based on Jai Richardson. Yeah, I'd agree with that, Max. I think um, they were actually pretty big winners. Uh, I think they addressed... They're one of the few teams that seem to have improved all of their big weaknesses. Uh, There's, Like you say, there's a question around whether Glenn Maxwell might be better than some of the players they brought in, but last year's Glenn Maxwell won't be. Well, Fabian Allen for 70... Fabian Allen... Allen for 75 lakh could easily not score a 50 and throw down a few pies and he's uh, a lot cheaper. So So big winners for me. (laughs) Agreed. Yeah, definite winners and... Uh, a little bit like Rajasthan now with those with those holes with those weak links filmed their strong links are good enough to get them into the playoffs KKR nice yeah the Knight Riders so Ermorgan's uh, men needed a bit of a refresh to their lineup, um, looking for a bit more top order talent we said um, to go with a squad that is already full of proven T20 talent um but as they are proven talent, they didn't have much money to spend at the auction uh, which made it all the stranger that they didn't go for a kind of a bludgering top order bat especially when there were some cheap ones available yes we know Alex Hales was never going to go and play in the same franchise as Owen Morgan we get it um, but they could have gone someone for like um, Lewis um, as well as Aaron Finch or uh, Jason Roy um, which they actually had the money to deliver on um, and they just they instead um, they didn't even go for that so they uh, they decided to retain someone like Tim Seifert who I don't think is better than any of the three kind of aforementioned there um, but but and the big but is that they did add to the rich tapestry that the IPL has of absolving cricketing misdemeanors um, by picking up their former champion Shakib Al Hassan for three point two crore, um, and I think he will add some quality to the side. And we wrote an article on him um, saying that he's likely to come back here, and he duly uh, did. Um, ben Cutting was also a good value pickup, considering the amounts being thrown around for people with a similar skill set to him, and he's got IPL experience. Um, so all in all, I think that was okay. Domestic player-wise in Karen Nair and Harbhajan Singh, I mean, they're not going to set the world alight. Um, and I don't even know how old Harbhajan Singh is now. Is it, what, 45? Um, <laughs> not and, quite. <laughs> yeah, again, the, but with their middle order, so they've, they've already got people like Rahul Traprathi, um, Dinesh Karthik, and I kind of see Karen Nair is still in the same bracket as that, rightly or wrongly. Um, so I'm just not too inspired by that. Um, however, 
they have picked up Sheldon Jackson, who has gone on record numerous times saying that he wants to emulate his idol, Brendan McCullum. And um, is, is it Aurora that he that they've got, who's actually a pacer who has a, quite a lot of upside, potentially? So um, I think if they can get the likes of Andre Russell back fit and firing, they could well be contenders. Um, so I reckon um, it's a pretty uninspiring. They weren't Again, they weren't winners, weren't losers in this one. They were kind of in the middle. What do you think? I, I've gone for them as a, a reasonably clear loser. I think there are some better options available. I don't, I don't really get why Ben Cutting plays in every single franchise league in the world, uh, for instance. I, th- I think there are some more adventurous choices you can make there. Uh, I don't think Shakib Al-Hassan was the sort of player that Colcutt and Knight Riders needed. And I, I think... Um, a few of the other franchises have definitely improved their starting eleven and and definitely improved their squad. And I don't think you can say that for KKR. Um, fair. So That's fair. they're a loser in my book. The thing is that KKR already had everything they needed. They just had a bunch of top order players not really performing. They shuffled their top order around a lot. They weren't sure whether whether to open with Narayan or bat him in the middle order or bat Japati up the order or down the. Or down the order. Uh, Nithish Rana floated here, there, and everywhere. They couldn't work out in what order to bat Morgan, Karthik, and, and Andre Russell. Um, they wasted. They spent a huge amount of money on Pat Cummins last year and ended up playing him through most of the tournament, missing out on the, for me, T20 upside of Lockie Ferguson, who I think is a, is a quality T20 operator. Yeah. Um, and then the, the spinners weren't quite as effective as they needed them to be. Not bad, but not not not... Um, quite what they need to be. Hardabajan Singh is, you know, 40 years old, um, you know, a little bit expensive perhaps for uh, for that, but, you know, a very decent T20 um, spinner even at that age and a huge, um, almost like an extra spin bowling coach, um, really, for uh, Pavan Negi, who, you know, classic sort of IPL utility player, Ben Cutting, similar but overseas and um, very handsome as well, which can't be understated. <laughs> um, uh, Shakib, Shakib is a... If Andre Russell gets injured or Sunil Narayan gets injured and you bring in Shakib al-Hassan, you've not weakened your team at all, um, uh, for sure. Um, uh, if you were playing a 50-over match, then you'd be right. But I, I think Shakib, in Shakib, Shakib's done not... good work for KKR and he did good work for the Sunrisers when he was available for them as well. It's, the I fact that he can get through his overs incredibly economically. I, he doesn't bring you anywhere near as much with the bat uh, as an explosive player yeah. as Sunil Narayan, um, but he can get through his overs very in a very economical manner. And he, he knows, you know, you don't need to tell Shakib al-Hassan too much about preparing for, uh, for, for a game. Obviously, he's been out of uh, top-level cricket for a little while, which is a little bit of, a, of an issue. He's just got that injury again. And um, Ross, yeah, your point about the him not reporting a, uh, a an approach, um, particularly given Brendan McCollum's um, uh, past with, uh, with, um, being, with reporting approaches and, and his... Spirit of MCC speech, spirit of cricket um, speech could be quite interesting. Karan Nair is a backup option, potentially another one of these players who can bat pretty much anywhere in that in that uh, top order. I, uh, Tim Seifert, I think is he he may not be better than a lot of those options, but he's a lot cheaper and 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 has done a a, a great deal of good for New Zealand again if he plays, which I'm not sure he will. I don't think mm. they've strengthened. I don't think they've weakened particularly. Max, so it's you with the deciding vote almost. <laughs> Yeah, well, I I think much uh, much like CSK, they sort of just didn't really really bother. And um, I think it was a, a good point about the KKR team actually not being that bad and just not performing last year. We we expected them to blow hot and cold in the last year's IPL, and we expected some fireworks. And I think basically someone just left them in the fridge and forgot about them. <laughs> um, so maybe this year all they need is just for all their players to turn up, and it'll be a different story. Fair enough. Royal Challengers Bangalore, then Max. Oh yes, this is this is the fun one, isn't it? Royal Challengers Bangalore. 
Um, well, you've already already alluded to it, uh, Knuckle, that we suspected when they released Chris Morris that it might be a ploy to try and buy him back cheaper. Um, and the fact that they did uh, jump in the early bids on him uh, suggests that we were perhaps right on that. And we also said that it was likely to be a completely catastrophic plan because <laughs> actually he's really useful for T20s because of what he can do. And uh, so it proved with him now being the most expensive player in IPL history. So uh Good start. Well done. RCB really, really nailed that one. Um, so at this point, obviously they had uh, a Chris Morris shaped hole to fit. And uh, uh, so, you know, you want a, a bowler who can hit hard at the end of the innings. And uh, they filled those big shoes with some very big feet in uh, Carl Jameson. Uh, not exactly <laughs> like for like, but like a quick bowler and looks like a promising uh, with the bat as well. So um could be good, but he's new to the IPL, uh, so it's a bit of a gamble. And it was a, a lot of a lot of money. So I mean, uh, it's more than they were paying Chris Morris. So they're basically about five crore down already from where they started, with not necessarily a better player. I mean, time will tell on that one. Um, but I'm excited to see Carl Jamison play. Um, I, I don't know, about, I don't know about you guys, but I, I think he deserves a shot from what we've seen in the um, in the Test arena. Well, you, you're, de- you're definitely not going to have him as a backup, are you? You're not going to spend 1.5 million quid and then just go, oh, I'm not sure yeah, if you yeah. might get a, if you might get a go here. Yeah. I think the interesting thing with Jameson, and Dan mentioned this as well, is that Jameson's traditional or Jameson's role so far in T20s has been to bowl three of his overs up front in the power play. That's not necessarily what Royal Challengers Bangalore needed. And actually, last year, when you saw them play with Chris Morris, they looked a much better side uh, bowling-wise. They, they looked a bit dangerous. They looked tough to score off at the death. I think the jury's probably out on whether Jameson can do that role. So yeah. as everything well, as for everything involving Royal Challengers Bangalore, they're really hard to call as a winner or a loser based on that. If it turns out that Jameson is handy there, um, they're, they're probably a, a big winner. Uh, from this auction uh if you if you if you bring in a bowler who can bowl at the or can fill your your or can, can perform the areas that you're weak in in jameson so say he is good up front and he is good at the death and you bring in glenn maxwell well you have a pretty formidable starting 11 if you're royal challengers bangalore you've got coley de villiers maxwell uh, you can have philippe opening the batting or you can have dan christian as your kind of half and half batted slightly down the order you've got jameson bowling you've got four really cheap indian bowlers in Saini, siraj jahal and sundar so you're your bowling unit is is really good, and 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 the the obvious imbalances in terms of where they've spent the money won't have that much of an impact. If, however, any of those positions in the lineup fail, they haven't really got anyone to step in. Um, so yeah, I think that's a, that's an excellent summary of what, what we've seen from RCB because um, basically, I mean, yeah, they they spent a load of money on uh, Jameson. They've then spent a load more on Glenn Maxwell. Uh, and that meant that they'd released 10 players in this auction and then blew over 80% of their purse on uh, on two. Yeah, I, I would say on, winners, on though, top just of to that, throw that in. Yeah, but on, on top of that, what they had left, they spent on Dan Christian, <laughs> <laughs> who, I mean, he's very, very experienced, but he's uh, he's 38, so it might be a little expensive. And it left them with seven slots, slots available to fill and basically one crawl to do it with. So they picked <laughs> up a lot of people for 20 luck. But... Some of those players aren't that bad, like uh, KS Barrett's a decent um, backup wicketkeeper, and uh, they picked up uh, Azradine as well. Um, so 
Yeah, I would. I would sort of. I. I don't know whether I would go so far as to say they were winners because I think their IPL auction strategy is absolutely disgraceful and completely disastrous. But what hurts me the most is that it might actually work because, as Jack said, their f- potential first eleven is really good. It's just if yeah, if there are a couple of injuries or people don't fire, it all unravels very very quickly. I mean, there's a couple more overseas players who could actually be very useful if they can get them into the team. Um, Adam Zampa, you know, very good T20 leg spinner. Actually did yep. very well for them last year when he was when he was able to play. Um and he and he and Chahel kind of locked up those middle overs. And Kay Richardson, who wasn't available last year because of paternity leave, actually he's a really good death bowler, uh Kane Richardson, and has been in, in domestic cricket and IPL cricket. And actually I would very be very tempted to start with him alongside uh mm. Jameson Maxwell and De Villiers as your four overseas players. Um Mohammed Azaruddin is an opening batter as well as a wicketkeeper, um, which means you have an opener alongside Padakal and and Amy de Villiers doesn't have to keep wicket. Whether they'll go with that or whether they'll stick with Josh Philippi at the top of the order, who seems a good player, but a slightly one-dimensional one at this stage of his career, um, seems a very good um, hitter of, uh, of pace bowling, a bit weak against the spinners. You kind of maybe expect that from an Australian player at this stage of his of, of his career. Um, and then the, the bowling attack, you know, you've got Washington Sundar, who can bowl at pretty much any stage of the innings. Chahel, who's a superb um uh, wrist spinner Navdeep Saini um, and Carl Jameson's properly quick um, um, Siraj who you know was is a little bit of a joke in, in T20 in T20 cricket in the IPL thus far he's been very hittable um, obviously a, a player of immense character and uh, probably will probably end up as a as a as a test cricketer probably who shouldn't be uh, who's kind of making up the numbers somewhat in in in, in T20 cricket I mean certainly his career so far suggests that he's a first class bowler uh uh, a very good first class bowler but not a particularly good t20 bowler um you know dan christian daniel sams as well you know good potential options if if it all falls apart in terms of um in terms of those injuries um i mean rcb would be unbeatable if they had five overseas players allowed basically yeah. um huh. that's that's it isn't it how do they fit them all in that's the question yeah and, and that and that was kind of the issue last year to some extent but what they have i think they have identified they have filled their holes they've got in quality fast bowling obviously kane richards coming back and then Carl mm. Jameson. And they I think arguably they didn't need to let the quality fast bowling go. I think that's uh... Well, possibly. <laughs> uh possibly. Although again, you know, uh, um yeah, uh, Chris and Chris Morris was a was a very good player um for them and and did balance that eleven very nicely. Uh, and they've also taken they've brought in someone in the middle order who can um who can be destructive and take some of the pressure off Coley and A. B. de Villiers, which means they don't have to bat so cautiously, um, which was a big problem for them last year. They weren't getting what they needed out of Coley in particular. Uh, who was very aware of the fact that the the batting sort of stopped after De Villiers. They they um let they bought a load of all rounders in the last couple of years and then let them all go. Shivam uh, Dube, <laughs> Moin Ali, Chris Morris, and Suru Udana, and Pavan Negi as well. Uh, who uh, all of whom they uh, they let go. Um, brought in Hashra Patel and Daniel Sams uh, from from Delhi in trades. Um, who in their way are both very decent all rounders. And Daniel Sams can be a a good option for them in the at the death, if they can fit him into the 11, which is debatable. Um, I, I think the RCB are winners in this year's auction, um, albeit they've done it in this slightly mad Galactico way. But if you're going to be, if you can't be good, at least be fun. <laughs> Ross, what do you reckon? Winner? Yeah, I, I love the I love the chaos that uh, RCB bring. So uh, winner for me. Well, they got Glenn Maxwell, didn't they? And that was probably the prize asset of this auction. So it's, it's, uh, it's difficult to look at them uh, another way. Um, Sunrisers Hyderabad, then. Yeah, Sunrisers Hyderabad. I didn't do anything. This will be swift. 
I actually, so I mean, and it'll be swift, and there wasn't much going on, and yet I still think they might actually have had the worst auction of everyone, <laughs> because uh, they, well, the, they retained both Jason Holder and Mitch Marsh for no apparent reason, because they're fairly similar and not that good at t20 cricket um and so they that left them with about 10 crore to spend and three slots to fill one of which was overseas so you think uh, it's pretty obvious really that maybe they could have just done with a bit of fast bowling maybe an all-rounder and just go all in for one thing and um in the end, they did almost the exact opposite of what would have been sensible. They picked up Majib uh, for their uh, overseas slot, who, um, bearing in mind they already have Rashid Khan, who will play, and Mohamed Nabi, who won't play. Having another Afghanistani spinner who won't play doesn't seem like uh, it makes much sense to me. And then they picked up uh, Kedar Jadav, who uh, has a strike rate of about 120 in T20 cricket, which is not the the firepower that they need, and ended up with about seven crore left out of the ten. <laughs> that they had so for me it was just absolutely mind-boggling so surely i mean surely they could have just gone in for someone all in and like if you get priced out you get priced out and then you can fall back to plan f which was what they did rather than trying to do that from the start it was a classic case of yeah we're good we're, we're <laughs> pass thank you it's just it's you can play poker with someone who just checks every single round um but the, yeah. the sunrises are the you know if we say rcb are the most chaotic the sunrises are the least chaotic team in uh in in the ipl they they know exactly what they're trying to do uh they get enough runs on the board to let their indian fast bowlers do the business um which has worked for them to some to, to affair it, yeah. it, it's pretty much i suppose it's the Perth, last year it's the perth scorchers model basically Boovie. plus rashid khan yeah bhuvaneshwar kumar is you know him fit for the season makes a huge difference natharajan has come on leaps and bounds um his rate of improvement is fantastic uh, siddharth call a very decent uh very decent bowler um a bit of a slightly wobbly middle order. Jason Holder did pretty well for them actually last year, and mm. um, and I watched a lot. Of, I watched the entire period of the CPL. I covered the the CPL as them as doing their match reports, and Jason Holder's range hitting, batting in that sort of four or five position for the Tridents, was very impressive. Um, he could yeah, have- I, I, I really like Jason Holder as a cricketer. I don't like Mitchell Marsh as a cricketer, <laughs> especially one that you're going to play in India. Like his average versus spin is pretty low compared to what it is against pace bowling. And actually, I'm just not sure how he fits into into that side. Yeah, he's someone who can bowl a few overs in the middle and is a destructive hitter of pace, but is a bit limited against against spin bowling. Um, J- Jason Holder will give you another top order option. Um, um, uh, sorry, top order. Like, early innings bowling option alongside Bhuvneshwar Kumar. Don't whatever you do bowl him as a death bowler. Um people have tried this before and it doesn't it um it just makes me sad watching Jason Holder bowl at the death. Uh, Rashid Khan is Rashid Khan. Don't really need to talk about him uh too much because he's that good. Um can they fit Warner and Bairstow into the same eleven? I'm not sure they can, again. No, uh, no. Uh, which is a problem um given that they're their two best uh, batters really but then again Kane Williamson's been so good in that kind of this role that no one else seems to be able to do um that it might well be and they'll have to go with Warner Rhythm and Saha is this unlikely pinch hitting option which somehow works and then Williamson a sort of massive okay in the middle order Abdul Samad should be a better player than he is and I'm sure will be better for the experience Vijay Shankar a bit hit and miss Jason Holder um Rashid Khan and then you're kind of you're kind of fiddling around Again, Mujib, Mujib world-class player in the wrong team, uh, as he was last year at Punjab. Um, a few a few young Indian players, Arat Singh and Priyam Garg, the two uh, mainstays of that India under-19 team that got that lost in the final, probably won't play. Khalil Ahmed is a good, a good uh, backup option to Nantharajan and, and Bhuvi. Um, I wonder how much longer they can ring Sandeep Sharma uh, out for. Um, but again, it seems to be a little bit of a 
um, you know, keep going with this, see if it works, and if it doesn't, fix it. Next and if it year. doesn't, yeah, yeah, we'll uh, we'll throw it all up in the air uh, next year. Um, some talk that Tom Moody might be coming back to that franchise as a uh, as an assistant coach to Trevor Bayliss, which will be an interesting, um, which mm. could be an interesting little. We've oh, another coaching thing actually, by the way. Kumarsan Gakara is now uh, the uh, going to be the uh, head coach at Rajasthan. They've let Andrew McDonald go. Are well, they going to win then? <laughs> Uh, it's a, the, the reverse Daniel Vittori <laughs> big losers for me Jack yeah I say big losers as well uh, let's move on to the Capitals uh, all of our talk prior to this uh, auction was about the, the, how they could refine their team we thought they were pretty good last year and um, we thought there was a particular area they could refine their team in and, and that was basically uh, by picking up some guys who could hit boundaries um <laughs> <laughs> but but they didn't, did they? They decided that they were gonna gonna pick up Steve Smith. Oh, um, I, to, let's keep this reasonably quick here, fellas, because we're up to the hour and a half mark, roughly, for the podcast overall. Um, and it would be good if we can keep it to about ninety minutes. Uh, why did they pick up Steve Smith, Max? I have absolutely no idea there are so many better players they could have picked up for less money correct alex answer. hales didn't even <laughs> alex hales didn't even go yeah i i really don't i i honestly i can't see why they wouldn't pack up hales so I've, got, I've, I've got a theory on this so yeah. i think that because steve smith was early in the auction they were just they were a bit trigger happy they were just like we've got to get in this people people are buying players we're not buying anyone <laughs> like what what could we do <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, all these players might go so quickly, might miss out, and then they blew some money on Steve Smith. My, my theory is that they thought they would push up the price for someone else, and then no one else came in. It's quite a cheap punt in a way, but it seems it seems bizarre that you would go into the auction thinking that another anchor is what you need. Um, realistically, yeah. um, it was really it odd. wasn't it wasn't really. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, you had, you know, last year you had. Uh, they were too cautious actually with the bat i think they've if the uh, if the, what they've taken from failing to for win the tournament last year and only getting to the final and sort of kind of stumbling over the line is that they need more solidity in their batting lineup um and, and more predictability and the captain of the team who came bottom <laughs> well well indeed and who has for you know is you know one of the greatest test players of all time already but has never been an elite t20 player and possibly never will be even at his peak they could have got Pajara for fifty. Lakh. <laughs> oh, indeed, yeah, <laughs> uh, and and freed up an overseas slot. Uh, yeah. um, mate, mate, you had never taken Pajara for CSK. They needed a they needed to boost their average age up a little bit more. They, they would have they would have spent the rest of their budget on Pajara. Um, well, uh, yeah, and it wouldn't uh, have mattered. Yeah, I it, I think if they've decided that they wanted more solidity and more of a calm head, they've taken the wrong lesson. I think from uh, from yeah. last year, which is basically let Risha Punt be Risha Punt because the rest of it mm. wasn't working out too badly. Shikhar Davan. Uh, had a pretty good year last year. Uh, Shreyas Ayer was able to do a job for them. Marcus Stoinis, I think, was a revelation, um, despite the fact they continue batting him in the middle order, um, and was actually very good with the ball for them last year. And the bowling really wasn't... You know, maybe they needed more power play wickets, but Ishant Sharma being fit for most of the season will be will be will help that. If well, Rabada and Nukhir are available for most of the season, obviously that's a, that's, that's a big deal. Umesh Yadav also gives them a power play bowling option and they've got chris wokes available this time um uh do you want to, if they had stopped uh, if they'd done everything else right and just stuck with buying billings and wokes and tom curran and umesh yadav and then a few extra repop patel actually by the way who is a who had a very good uh domestic t20 tournament for uh for india might actually be someone who they're looking at as a uh as a starting option someone who is a powerful player 
Um, just as someone who just kind of balances that attack quite nicely. But I think it would have been fine if they hadn't then also bought Stephen Smith, which gives you the obligation to play him and thus screw up the rest of your uh, the, screw up the rest of your balance. Um, yeah, uh, I, I think I, oh, Steve Smith. I, I as a as a strategic move by people who should know better. Uh, astonishing. Anyway, um, quick winners and losers. Uh, Ross, winners or winner or loser. Uh, I think they were a loser along with picking up Tom Curran for 5.25. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't understand that either, but that's for another day. We can talk about that in the, the IPL preview show. I'm going to say loser, Max. Yeah, loser. And Knackle. <laughs> yeah, loser. Uh, purely based on the Stephen Smith pickup. At least Tom Curran is justifiable as a punt. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mumbai Indians then were the final team in the auction. Um, they didn't really need to do that much, I didn't think. Um, they had the best team last year. They had a lot of the best players. Um, so there wasn't really an obvious area that they were weak. Um, Max, they picked up some backups. Were any of those backups particularly notable to you? Um, I, uh, to be honest, I think well, uh, Jimmy Nation for fifty lakh is quite quite good. I think, but uh, I think they've spent quite a lot on some of the other backups. Nathan Coulter Nile and um, why? Well, so I was Ach- I, are particularly. I think Nathan Coulter Nile might actually play for them. So. Yeah, um, it justifies the money. Um, well, that's all right then. Yeah. But yeah, uh, Shawler for two point four. I'm not. I'm not sure about. They did need another spinner. They only really had Rahul Chahar last year. I think the one thing they 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 don't have is a. I suppose they muddled through, didn't they, with Krunel and Yeah, is a, a world class spinner, and they sort of make they make it up. Adam Milner, who had a very good BBL for the Thunder, um, could be a good option for them as a um, basically doing what James Pattinson did for them last year, except he can also bowl at the death. Um, I'm, I'm glad to see that Mumbai have stayed with their strategy of. Um, going for very burly Antipodeans um, in Nathan <laughs> Coulton-Isle, Adam Milne and Jimmy Neesham. Uh, um, Pius Charla, yeah, experienced option. Then, um, you know, Yudhvir Singh Charak, um, you know, a, um, an up-and-coming Indian seamer. Marco Jansen, who I'm fairly sure played for Blackburn in the mid-90s, uh, and then uh, <laughs> and then rounded off the auction with the big news, uh, um, you know, uh, if RCB bought Sachin Baby, Mumbai have bought Sachin's Baby. <laughs> yeah. it's what we all wanted to see it's a shame RCB didn't end up with them both <laughs> right fellas uh, last one then Mumbai Indians were they winners or losers I've got them down as slight winners because I think they got some okay backups Ross yeah no I'd agree with that Max uh, yeah they didn't sell their entire squad so winners for me yeah Knackle last word to you it would have been pretty difficult for Mumbai to end up losing this auction and uh, they've slightly won yeah <laughs> um Right, that's the end of the cricket podcast. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Ross, uh, do you want to play us out by telling everyone where they can find us? Yep, they should uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the Cricket Pod and subscribe on our YouTube channel and tell your friends about it. Tell your friends, and we'll uh, we'll have even more guests on and have even more great content. Knuckle, thanks for joining us, mate. Thanks very much. Um, would be remiss of me to not plug Guerrilla Cricket's coverage of the third test between India and England. It will be on air at 8.45am UK time on Wednesday. Um, keep an eye on Twitter for exactly the full details of that. But GuerrillaCricket.com. We're also on Hot Mike and Facebook Live and YouTube. Well, my working week is going to really take a pounding. <laughs> right. Uh, we will be back next week uh, with probably a review show of that third test. Bye. <laughs>